0: Welcome to the No Chance Radio Show, a podcast about the world of streetwear, fashion, and everything and anything else. What you thought we left you guys? We left you guys hanging? Man, welcome back to the motherfucking show, man. I'm so hyped to be on this show today with the one and only
1: what's up guys we're back
0: what's up everyone happy holidays happy thanksgiving happy black friday happy all that shit (laughs) i know it's been a long time since we've been on these airwaves with you guys but we want to say welcome back to the motherfucking show episode 102 i almost thought that we forgot about like how to podcast for a second every time we were getting nervous earlier just on like how, how do we um Pronunciate words. <laughs> How do we speak to uh, what we assume is to be a, uh, an actual audience? Uh, there's a lot of hesitation right now, but I'm hyped to be on this show uh, today. And man, it's been such a long time. I gotta dust off these cobwebs mm-hmm. real quick just to uh, to get us back on the right track. But we want to thank you guys again, man. I think it was what's it uh, the first week of December, maybe about a couple of weeks ago perhaps it was our one year mm-hmm. for all of the uh, events and shit, you know? So shout out to anybody that has come out to our events. Shout out to those that have gotten drunk with us, that have <laughs> drank water with us, done sober shit, whatever, man. Like we appreciate everybody that's been in attendance of everything that we've been doing in the past year. Or so that support is really what drives us to get us to where we are today. And man, like that love and support has gotten us to th- these, uh, these great heights that we never thought that we'd ever achieve. So shout out to making dreams come true.
1: Thank you guys. That's
0: just amazing. We appreciate that. And also, and I did the calculations. I went back to their first Instagram post of the podcast and I inputted it into Google and it said, how many days since this date? And it was August 18th, 2017. And it said 583 days or no, wait, maybe it was more than that. But essentially broken down into years, it was exactly 2.3 years since we started this podcast. So shout out to us. We're almost at the uh, two and a half slash three year mark mm-hmm. and we are not slowing down. Life happens. Yep. You know what I mean? Life definitely happens. Um, as you guys can obviously tell, this is the first time we've recorded, obviously in the, in the month of December, but in the past <laughs> three weeks as well. But don't worry, we have so much fucking shit to catch you up on.
1: 2020. 2020. Yes, be ready.
0: What do you okay? <laughs> Before obviously, we're going to talk about New Year's resolutions. We're going to take a flashback, a retrospect into the year 2019 because that's our favorite shit to do. Yeah. Those yearly recaps and the, the, the look into the future and predicting trends and stuff. That's obvious. That's obviously one. What are some of your. And just give people a taste of what your resolutions are for 2020. Well, what What is, are you going to speak into existence for
1: 2020? Uh, 2020 is the year of Mel, you know, just more self-care, just being selfish and just focusing on myself and just what I want to do. There was a lot of distractions in 2019, you know, life happens, a lot of obstacles I didn't really think Boys. were going to come up. Yeah, boys are one part of it. (laughs) But 2020, you know, I just want to be more independent. I'll be 25, so I want to start off my 25th year as being more independent, so...
0: We want that. We want that walk-in sneaker closet. Uh,
1: we want that know. sponsorship deal. Trying to quit our jobs so someone can sponsor us. Trying to quit sponsors. our jobs.
0: We need all that in 2020. Yep. I'm a I'm a big believer of speaking things into existence, and I want to talk about this idea of the the law of attraction. You know what? That, do you know what that is? Personally. Essentially, for those of you that don't know what the law of attraction is, it's essentially this idea of thoughts become things, right? The, the the power of the mind to translate whatever it is that we're thinking into this physical presence, this physical existence. So if I think that one day, well, obviously this may not be the case for 99% of the population, actually 99.99% of the population to win the lotto, <laughs> but maybe something a little bit more realistic of I'm going to get this job Mm-hmm. I'm going to get this thing that I put my mind towards, you know, a lot of those things. You you talk about it, you talk about it, you talk about it, you're confident about it, you believe in it. There's a really good chance that that shit's going to come true or be well, come to fruition, mm-hmm. uh, should I say. And, you know, I was looking at some of our New Year's resolutions for the, the podcast, for us as a brand, you know, things that we've wanted to do over the past year. And I crossed out all of them (laughs) within the first, I want to say six to seven months that I had written them and being able to look at that on a day-to-day basis, coming home and saying, how can I achieve that particular goal and how can I progress towards that goal on a day-to-day basis? Having that just physically in front of me really helped Mm -hmm. for those things to come true. So I want all of you, everyone in the listening section or whoever's listening right now, what is your new year's resolution? What is that thing that you said that you wanted to do last year that obviously things got in the way (laughs) we use that excuse in jest, but you shouldn't have to use that excuse on a day to day basis. What is getting in the way for you to accomplish that goal, whether it is to start that brand, whether it is to release that X, Y, Z. You know what I mean? To create that graphic, to record that podcast, whatever it is, go do that shit. Yep. You know what I mean? Like that should be the goal for everyone and then break it down into like specific shit. You know what I mean? And that's kind of where I'm at with that. I think speaking, into, speaking things into existence is one of my favorite phrases. Yep. I love this idea of a law of attraction. At first, I think my mom introduced me to that shit and I always thought it meant like get into a relationship. And I was like, (laughs) mom, why are you talking to me about this right now? Like, I I know I'm attracted to females. Like, I don't know why you're talking to me about this, but it actually meant something else. And I'm I'm glad that she introduced me to that because I would say the reason why a lot of these things came to fruition is because I can see myself in my head doing that thing Mm. that I want to do. And um, I hope that a lot of you, at least going into this new year, well, wow, providing gold nuggets very early in this episode, but I hope that a lot of you take that mindset and you apply it to this year, 2020, because we're gonna have a whole episode basically talking about like, do shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be a, a, an episode in the in the first week or so of of the new year, titled Do Shit, <laughs> it's just for you guys, you procrastinators, you including us. (laughs) (laughs) But let's talk about some streetwear shit because that's why you're listening to this fucking podcast. And again, thank you guys for uh, joining us on episode 102. But we want to talk about some shit that, and I know, I know everyone is asking us mentally, maybe not physically in the comments or anything, Mm -hmm. but they're asking us, what the fuck does Ryan and Mel think of that Air Jordan 1 Dior shoe?
1: (laughs) Here we go. Here we
0: go. Okay, so a little bit of context, if you don't know what the fuck is going on or if you're living under a rock, but basically what's been all over Instagram, all over your favorite rappers' Instagram profiles, if you follow streetwear in general, essentially what is going on is Dior has partnered with the Air Jordan 1 brand, Jordan brand in general, to produce the Air Dior, a.k.a. The, just the Air Jordan 1 with Dior hints on it. Mm-hmm. It's a... It essentially uses the Dior gray as the prime color, essentially mocking a what is it? Um, just like your typical like Chicago Air Jordan yeah. one like break uh color palette. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Primary color on the the um like the flaps and all the uh, the front leather, and then on the the what do you even call that?
1: The toe box?
0: No, like the area underneath all of the the gray where the white is on this shoe. What, what, like what's the physical term? I don't even know. I don't, we're not shoe designers, but essentially it uses, it utilizes Dior's expensive leather fabric. It is. And I, we're going to talk about this phrase throughout the episode, but fucking <laughs> it is made in Italy. Like mm-hmm. that even matters in this case. Yeah. Um, but it has the Dior print
1: on the swoosh only on
0: the swoosh kind of cool. And, uh, yeah, it, it, takes all of the, the hints from the Dior brand. It takes all the hints from the Jordan brand and it essentially is put together on this Jordan one shoe. And let me also include that. It's supposed suggested retail price is around $2,000. That's like the, yep. the, um, the mock price for what people are, are, are gauging it as, um, and supposed to be releasing sometime in like April of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, And also, it's not even releasing in, like, Nike stores, which is stupid. Mm -hmm. Uh, Only releasing in in select Dior stores around the globe. And, yeah, that's that's really, like, the backstory of this shoe. Now, this shoe kind of played a, um, provided, like, a preheat moment to this Art Basel thing that's taking place in Miami currently or was taking place this past weekend uh, Dior did a pre-fall 2020 show where they highlighted a lot of the the newest fall collection the first menswear collection of Dior and what better place to do it than Art Basel I guess <laughs> that's like, like that's me saying that in jest but let's start off first and there's like a, a lot of things to cover here yeah there's Art Basel there's Sean Stussy at Dior in their collaboration but let's talk about the Air Jordan 1 aesthetically what are your opinions on that
1: aesthetically I'm very disappointed I'm very underwhelmed
0: I think everyone is
1: yeah um the majority that I've like seen and heard and like I just no one likes it honestly if it really is two thousand dollars what it is right now is not worth it when I first saw like Travis Scott posting his like photo of it in hand. I thought it was like a mock up, and I'm just like, please don't be the official shoe. Then I freaking saw people posting like the runway, like models walking in them, and I'm just like, damn it, this is really what it's gonna be. Like, it's just, it looks like a really basic DIY, you know? If you wanted to just like, you know, cut up your Dior bag and put the swoosh on your like. Jordan 1 mids that's kind of what it looks like it looks like a very generic colorway and it has an icy sole which uh, doesn't even match like all of the colors and the materials uh, just don't mesh well
0: let's talk icy sole real quick <laughs> <laughs> okay. because first off maybe all over uh generally around this time it is uh winter mm-hmm. in, uh, <laughs> let's talk major markets let's talk New York let's talk potentially Europe, Paris area. Who the fuck is wearing a white shoe in the winter? Nobody. (laughs) And a $2,000 shoe, nonetheless, no. Yeah. So we'll start off with that is that most people will not be able to afford this shoe. Your general consumer may or may not have to sell an organ Mm -hmm. to get this shoe. And if they do, they'll be wildly disappointed. One, One of two things. The shoe is great. Right, I love the, the the fact that they went with a Jordan One High because, it's with facts. all due respect, if you're gonna be a luxury brand, you're gonna get the best model there is that Jordan makes. Right, facts. you can't follow up an off-white Air Jordan One
1: facts. with
0: any other model as a as a luxury brand jumping into this. Yeah. Right, and obviously you got to look at the dichotomy between a Kim Jones and and a Virgil in this case because the most recent luxury fashion line that had collaborated with Air Jordan One that's well known and renowned that has like made waves in the industry is off white. Mm-hmm. So you set them as essentially the precedent for this shoe to release. And Kim Jones and this 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 like buddling this battling of the of the of the of the of the minds here is essentially the Virgil versus Kim Jones. Obviously mm-hmm. Virgil Virgil it's like um very underwhelming fight for him because it's like, what are you even comparing me to any of this for? But Kim Jones is essentially trying to do what Virgil has already previously done, right? He's trying to reignite this idea that he was the first person to introduce streetwear to high fashion, right? When he was with Louis Vuitton, he introduced people like Murakami. He was the one that initiated the Supreme collaboration Mm -hmm. and shit. Like he had done Fragment and stuff with with Louis Vuitton. So it's essentially like getting knocked off of your high horse. And because you can't, uh, because you get essentially barreled over by this new upcoming hotter in, in terms of the temperature across uh, the streetwear industry, this new designer, you got to prove yourself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So what better to do that than a Nike collaboration, mm-hmm. right? And I did a little research here and tried to understand the sort of, the why they chose a, a, an Air Jordan 1, right? Because Dior could have collaborated with anybody. Mm-hmm. They could have collaborated with some sort of clothing brand whatever is hot right now they could have done a an apparel collection with the you know the next up-and-coming designer you know what i mean but they decided to bring an air Jordan one for this particular reason that's because where prada is from and i believe this is um this paris i think this is paris Prada is... Oh, no. Not, not Prada. Dior. Why the fuck am I getting them mixed up? Dior is from... Where the fuck is Dior from? Where the fuck is Dior from? <laughs> <laughs> where the fuck is Dior from? French. It's, it's French. It's a French brand. Sorry, guys. I'm, I'm like looking at two different brands right now. We're going to talk about the, the fuck, fucked up Prada Adidas in a second. <laughs> but essentially... Uh, Dior is from France and essentially what they try to do is they try to accomplish that of what is the aesthetic of French streetwear, French style, French fashion, right? It's, it's, we don't want gaudy, right? G-A-U-D-Y. We don't want that. We don't want all over print, crazy colors. We want something you could wear with a fucking cashmere (laughs) fucking turtleneck, Yeah. A a, a peacoat, you know what I mean? That's typically not what Nike has done with a lot of these uh, European streetwear high fashion brands in the past. You know, they sort of aim for the toned down look. They aim for the the shoe is not the center of attention mindset. You look at a brand like Pigal, right? They're the ones that create like the really colorful basketball courts, and they have they're essentially the Colette of of Paris, and you look at the collaboration they've done in regards to the footwear, and it's a lot of basketball silhouettes that are just super neutral colored shoes. And they're typically not colors that often release in like general release models or even with the, like some of the collaborative models. So they do stuff like an all black sneaker with you know just the logo, yeah. you know what I mean? They want they want people to know that it's the brand but also not be over the top with a shit ton of all over prints. So I think in the sense of where this Dior Jordan 1 came from, the understanding of of what this shoe is and why it's it's made to look the way it it looks obviously, it makes sense. When you go on yeah. on 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 pages like Sneaker News and Hype Beast and you look at the comments and the comments, and, and it goes, this is trash. This is not what it's supposed to look like. It should have looked like this mock-up that this random third-party site made. Like, why didn't they just do all of this? Like, okay, I get that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I completely understand why people would rather have it look like this is because this is what's missing in the market. But I don't think that Dior and Jordan go into this and say, what haven't we done? I think they go in there saying, This is a collaborative effort. What does Dior bring to the table? And what does Jordan bring to the table? And in this case, Jordan brings a silhouette and they bring the athletics part, which is within Europe, that that French, Paris, like that that sort of um, the, the sports mindset, the athleisure mindset is huge, mm-hmm. right? Basketball is huge out there, soccer is huge out there, everything like that. So th- they bring the model, they bring the legacy, and Dior brings. I mean, what else do they bring? They bring quality, right? They bring, they bring high fashion. They bring price, like the price mark. And I think in terms of execution, they did good. But in terms of aesthetically how it looks, it's complete trash. (laughs) And I think what, I mean, I think oftentimes with collaborations, there is a, there's an unwillingness to, to reach beyond the mark, you know what I mean? It's it's your brand, I'm a brand. Let's bring it together. You know what I mean? Some collaborations, they produce more than what is expected. And I'll use an example of something fairly recently, like um, just in terms of full rollout is like brain dead in North Face. Maybe it's away from the sneakers. Maybe it's like kind of separate, but it's, it's taking a brand taking two brands, combining it and saying, look, we know what you guys are expecting, but fuck it. This is what we're going to do. And we're going to blow it, the the expectations out of the water. And that's literally what they did. And I'm glad that they did that. But this Dior shit, it doesn't make any sense. Aesthetically, it makes no sense. Now let's move on to the next thing, which is Dior literally brought Sean Stussy out of the grave and brought him to to literally do this whole entire pre fall collection, and I honestly don't know how to feel about it. I'm a we're, we're big fans of Stussy, to be honest. A lot of people that are listening probably still don't even wear Stussy, even though it's it's gotten a revival fairly recently. But to be honest, not many of you even wear Stussy anymore, you know. Mm. How do you feel about this collection, aesthetically, in terms of, like, they had the runway show? Yeah. What do you feel about it?
1: Again, underwhelmed. (laughs) I just feel like everything could have been done better. It Like, I don't know if this is, like, intentional just to, like, get buzz or anything, but it just seems like everything was kind of very, like, Miami-esque. I don't know if it's because it was like released at like Art Basel, but like the colors they chose, um, like the pieces that were like presented, it just, it didn't, it seemed very out of like Dior and Stussy's element where it didn't really make sense to both brands for a collaboration. Mm.
0: It looked like a Stussy collection.
1: Mostly, but still like at best, like again, like a, a very cheap Stussy collection.
0: That's true we all know what Susie collections look like, and they just look like your typical run-of-the-mill cut-and-sew and everything like that. No shots to Susie. I love we'll how their love collections yeah. look. But if you're going for the Dior collaboration and you're having Sean Stussy jump in to this, this driver's seat and say, okay, I'm going to lead the charge on everything that's that Dior is going to be releasing for this pre-fall, you're expecting some insane shit.
1: Yeah, I wanted something new. Mm. I wanted something that didn't scream Stussy.
0: But that's it, true. It did, it did. You know,
1: it was very like logo mania. And that's what I didn't want. Cause both brands, they kind of like highlighted both of their logos on everything. But it was just to the point where it was just too much. Like I want simplistic designs, you know, Dior on itself, like their pieces are very simplistic and they're very mm-hmm. clean.
0: Quality. You know,
1: and quality. And like Stussy's Cut and Sew is usually very like clean and, and like quality as well. Yeah. So I wanted the cleanliness and like the polished versions of each brand to kind of be highlighted but now we just get like this colorful sweater
0: (laughs) yeah yeah it was complete surf vibes and the way that they had like done the whole like let's create boats that look like gondola boats that Mm -hmm. that have the whole like Susie print wrapped in it and everything like that don't get me wrong i'm a huge fan of Kim Jones bringing out Sean Stussy as like this this uh world tour, this retirement <laughs> tour or whatever. Um, but in terms of the execution and just kind of how it looks, uh, I just I'm not I'm not with it. You yeah. know what I mean? I felt like I feel like Virgil's first like Spring Summer show like previously made more of an impact than than this one in particular. I I think that just Having like a key, a key high, a key, a marquee name like a Sean Stussy, is literally what sold it away. Yeah. But I think those same designs without him wouldn't have made any sense. You know, oh, for sure. I think it's just doing the streetwear world justice rather than actually like incorporating it. I think it's just like. People just want something fresh and new and it's like, okay, it's, it's like Kim Jones thinking like, okay, who the fuck haven't we touched recently? It's like, uh, um, Hiroshi, we've touched him. Uh, no more Verdi. We, we, he's like, uh, a little overexposed. Um, no more Nego. Nigo's taken over. Yeah. Um, Charles Stussy, let's use him. That's literally <laughs> what I think it was. Like it's this sort of last minute effort to find someone that people,
1: like could relate to that could relate to
0: because you look at all the people that were posting it was like the sean weatherspoon the fucking asap rocky like of of course like dior had this revival in the past year but still it's like this literally brought the collection over the hump and i think that's what they needed in order to sort of like prove to the the high fashion world that you know Virgil isn't the only one that can do stuff like this, you know, and I thought, I think the effort is um, commendable, but just in general, uh, the execution it was a bit itself. lackluster in, in my honest opinion. Would I wear it? Probably not, to be honest. Would I, could I see it reselling for a lot? Still probably not. Like you got to look at that as a, as a big factor on, on, on whether or not this can actually be like a profitable thing. Um, but I don't see that happening in regards to this entire collection. I think we've touched on that for a little bit too long, but let's move on to another very lackluster collaboration. Let's talk Prada and Adidas because that was also a huge talk of the town in regards to how that was executed and just another fucking disappointing. Okay. Let's talk about these high fashion collaborations because Prada obviously is known, um, same as Dior high quality um bags are super popular nowadays um but just in general this collaboration with Adidas before we even talk about the aesthetic of the shoe if you could create your own Prada Adidas shoe what would it look like
1: I don't know um I for sure wouldn't choose a silhouette that they chose um I think I would go for more of like a, a trainer vibe. So mm. like, you know, more like athleisure, make it very like dad-esque, you know. I could
0: see that. I could definitely see that.
1: Yeah, but I wouldn't I don't know like what colors I would choose. Like maybe some some pastels. No bright colors mm. at all. Probably like an all black upper with like hints of just random What's Prada's
0: col- typical colorway? I don't know. It's like black. <laughs>
1: it's like black and silver, I think. Yeah. Something like that.
0: Actually, I think that that would be kind of cool. Like uh, even if they even if they added just a, a tad bit of color, whether it's like a white and black or a black and white, like white, okay. If they added black stripes To the damn superstar, it would be super sick, and just like a metallic, like Adidas, like emblem—the way that they do their like silver, you know, like the simple shit that show hues of both brands. But I think in this case, it was really just—it's all white. Okay, I might be the. There might be a lot of people that might be in the same situation, but I honestly do not care. About premium materials on sneakers? I, I do. Would you, to do an you,
1: extent.
0: Are you going to pay the premium for those materials though?
1: No, but I appreciate it when people use them.
0: Much different than <laughs> if you're a consumer purchasing well, I those can't shoes. can afford the premium Exa- materials. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. So if you could make that same superstar, and, and for those of you that don't know what this shoe looks like, it's literally just a white on white superstar with the Prada logo. Embossed in silver on the heel.
1: It's like a, a superstar dipped in white out.
0: Exactly. E- exactly. If <laughs> if you had the means, would you purchase a shoe? No. Why?
1: Because I don't need an all white superstar. Like, it's just like the most basic Adidas silhouette in general. And it's like, if you're, again, like, if you're gonna make a premium shoe that I'm gonna pay for, make it at least look somewhat cool. Like, I'm not gonna spend what? $500 or whatever on a basic-ass shoe you can get for, like, $30 at, a, like, a Payless or wherever you get superstars at.
0: No, that's true. But, I mean... Okay, so let me let me read this real quick. It's basically the statement that both Adidas and Prada made... Yeah, Prada. Uh, Prada made in regards to the, the... Why the collaboration had taken place originally or sort of the intentions behind their collaboration. So this is what... Um, this is what Prada had said. So, the aim of this partnership is to investigate the realms of heritage, technology, and innovation, and to challenge conventional wisdom through unexpected strategies. Obviously, that's not the case. Those in terms are just of words. <laughs> yes, yes, and and this is this is essentially where it all stems from. So, Prada and Adidas now have this long-standing partnership in regards to. Uh, Prada is a big proponent to sponsoring literally the the world's most popular yacht race. Okay. This is the America's Cup. So in 2021, Prada is going to be the sponsor for the uh, America's Cup yacht race, and Adidas obviously sees this. Obviously, Adidas is a sports style or sports minded company, mm-hmm. right? And they see. This yacht race has been a very integral part of them, you know, including themselves into a world that they had never previously entered. And they're going to be a uh, product sponsorship or sponsor in creating the shoes for the sailors. <laughs> I know. Very <laughs> random. What does even look like? I don't know what, uh, what uh, yacht shoes look like. I'm assuming they look like boat shoes, but potentially more fancy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but that's what they will be doing. That's Adidas' idea of sporting innovation. So that's why this collaboration is so important to them. It's not just a long-standing one shoe mixed with this weird bowling bag yeah. that retails I think in in total it's 350 for the shoe roughly and like 3200 for the bag and the shoe. We're talking Prada bag right now.
1: I know, but again, both products are all white. Like do something, you know, if you're going to have a long standing partnership and it's a formed around like nautical themes, put some red in it, put some yellow, you know, I don't know, like be festive to an extent. Like, why is it all white? It looks it just looks so weird.
0: I know. But but it, this goes back to my previous point is that this Parisian French like style of, of dressing. Like if it's not Fashion Week, I don't ever see colors.
1: yeah but still like it doesn't suit the western market especially for adidas you know like Mm. and you rarely ever see adidas in high fashion i think like yeezy is the closest we've ever seen like adidas be quote-unquote high fashion or try and like you know try and like be in that world it's a good point so or even like pharrell like he's hella colorful
0: that's true, but if you look at like the market or the the people that typically buy those shoes, it's either West Coast, East Coast, and mm-hmm. it's always like combined with more like fancier, more gaudy apparel and things of that nature. I mean, look at the, the apparel collection that follow those types of human made or not human made, but the the hue oh, whatever yeah, the, the human yeah. stuff that Pharrell does, it's all colorful as shit. So, I think. Just in general, if we were to summarize both as Dior Jordan and as Prada Adidas, we would give it four thumbs down.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: and that is for the both of us. Um, but let's move on to talk about something else. And, you know, we didn't have a chance to talk to you guys about this, this, this the holidays yet. Uh, Black Friday just passed. Mm-hmm. That was about uh, a week ago. Uh, Cyber Monday was... Two days ago mm-hmm. for us. It were, this is a Wednesday right now. But one of the things I wanted to talk about was this idea of, of the holidays and holiday shopping. Right. And let me ask you a quick question. How many articles of clothing do you have on that are from some sort of fast fashion retailer?
1: Um, one.
0: That's fair. That's actually that's a, that's actually pretty good. In terms of like the average person, maybe about two to three articles, mm-hmm. surprisingly. Now, that's one of the things that I wanted to touch on heavily in this episode. And obviously, I've just become extremely woke after watching one episode of this Hassan Bidaz show on Netflix <laughs> that talked about fast fashion. But it brought up a good point because we always talk about this idea of sustainability.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But we use that term in a way that I don't want to use the word sustainability in a way that really necessarily means that your clothes have to be 100% recyclable, made of water bottles and fucking soda cans. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. That's not realistic for a lot of these companies in regards to how they make shoes. There may be one or two companies and mostly footwear companies that have put together shoes that are made of actual recyclable material Mm -hmm. but we have to ask ourselves and i'll get more into the nitty-gritty in a bit is fast fashion or the shit that we're buying like are they even is it actually ethical at the end of the day You know what I mean? Fast fashion. You're shopping at a place like, and I'll use this as an example for what fast fashion is. We're talking the Uniqlo's. We're talking the Zara's. We're talking the H&M's. We're talking the Forever 21's, Fashion Nova's, whatever you want to call it. Even fucking the Gap. (laughs) (laughs) Right? But when we talk about fast fashion, we're basically asking ourselves like, we see within these stores, eco-friendly, gluten-free, <laughs> fucking sugar-free, whatever. Like, But is this shit even going to do anything? Yeah. In the broad broad scope of, of, of fast fashion. Um, but I wanted to provide a twist on it and ask you this question. Because fast fashion doesn't necessarily mean streetwear. Mm-hmm. But when we think about the production of clothes, we think about the production of multiple seasons. Now, <laughs> fun fact: fast fashion has a, a, a typical fashion streetwear as well, with uh, the rare cases of, of, of sub have four seasons in a year. Mm-hmm. Now, fast fashion has 52 seasons in a year. Oh gosh! Now, if you calculate that into weeks, that's literally a different style every week. every week think about how many think about the consumption think about the the production of clothes but the difference between 52 weeks of 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 seasons and and creating collections and releasing clothes versus four seasons or whatever brands are still making a shit ton of clothes and my overall question is what are we going to do about that Obviously, we're not gonna physically do shit like we're like like Captain Planet or anything. But when we look at brand, like we look at fast fashion. Um, do you feel like this obligation now, like especially as we talk more about sustainability, we talk more about um, the ultimate like societal and economical impacts that fast fashion or just the overconsumption of clothing does to communities and uh the environment does that actually deter you from buying that piece that you really want
1: um to an extent Like, for sure, whenever I walk into, like, a Zara or an H&M, like, I know I feel guilty because you see, like, just tons of clothes on the floor or you see, like, just hella clothes either, like, marked down for damages or just, like, a sale and it's, like, 75% off. Um, I always feel bad, like, before I purchase something. But at at the end of the day, like, honestly, I can't afford expensive things. Or, like, if you notice, Mm. a lot of, like, eco-friendly or like you know like sustainable clothing they're higher priced and if I'm being realistic I can't afford higher priced things Mm. and like I do shop I like a lot of fast fashion brands, but a lot of same. my clothes like I've had for years. So like when people say like you like wash a Forever 21 shirt and it like, it tears up after one wash. I've never <laughs> experienced that. You know, like- I don't
0: know how they're washing their shit. <laughs> same,
1: like I take care of my clothes, like no matter where I buy it. So even though I do shop at these places, like you'll see it in my wardrobe for like three plus years. Mm. So even though like I I don't shop the smartest I keep it around a while. So that kind of helps
0: that. I think that's very helpful. And through the statistics that we had listened to or, and also read, I think on average, most people keep their shit for, I mean, not that long in general. Like I three mean, three months, three months. Right. Yeah. And you think about a piece that you typically buy from like, I'll use H and M and forever 21 as an example. I often don't wear that. And when I, previously had bought them I probably wouldn't wear it more than twice Mm -hmm. it's usually like some sort of special occasion where I need like a button-up shirt which I don't wear often I hate that shit Mm -hmm. and ties I hate those shits but that's literally something you buy the day of Mm -hmm. and you never wear again Uh, you know what I mean and so the the huge argument here is that that you should one Wear your shit for longer and two spend at the least and this is this is this is a good good debate topic at the least for an article of clothing and I'm not just talking like socks underwear and a t shirt spend hundred and fifty dollars. On what? On an average on average for your article of clothing. Just one article? Pants, button up shirts, sweatshirts, jackets, hundred and fifty plus. How do, you feel, how do you feel about that as like the standard to essentially, because think about it, you're, you're going to be super Marie Kondo here. You're trying to eliminate that of excessive waste in regards to clothing that you're not wearing on a day-to-day basis. If you're spending an excessive amount of money on a particular item, what are your chances of wearing that more often?
1: Oh, I'm or appreciate sure it. it more. Like I'm for sure gonna wear it like five days out of the week. If it's gonna be 300 bucks for a pair of pants, hell yeah, I'm gonna wear the shit out of those. I mean like I'm all for quantity or quality over quantity but again like the average like consumer and like the average person in the Bay Area cannot afford that standard of living. if you're gonna spend 150 plus on one article of clothing like you're gonna have maybe like an outfit for two days out of your week. You know, it's just, it's not, it doesn't make sense for like a lot of people, like the cost of living outweighs like your fashion sense. At but I point. want
0: these, I want these people to, to give us alternatives and one of the best alternatives right now and something that I've been advocating since episode one is obviously thrifting. Yes. Right. But you got to think like, <laughs> I'm not going to go searching for the perfect white tee at a thrift store because... <laughs> yeah. Chances are you're never going to find one that's flawless. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So where do people find those basics without shopping at these fast, like fast fashion retail shops? Where do we go for that type of stuff? Do we just buy that $100 Alexander Wang basic white t-shirt and hope that it stays clean forever?
1: No. So then, like <laughs> what
0: are our, what, logistically, what are our options here?
1: We don't have a lot to choose from, like logistically. I can't even give you a brand off the top of my head that can help you with that. Can you?
0: No, I know. Okay, I know of the brands that charge a lot of money for basics, which is pretty standard. Obviously, there's brands like Reining Champ. There's brands like Alexander Wayne Basics, things of that nature. Right. That every higher echelon streetwear brand or even like fashion brand in general the apcs you know all those brands they have the basics but if you ever been to an acne studios you know how much a damn blank t-shirt costs and it's more than what most people make in a in regards to like a day, like a work day that's like a work day for them on one t-shirt and it's just hard to understand the jargon of what a lot of these financial what a lot of these socioeconomical uh, political pundits talk about on these web sh- or on these news channels in saying like you you should be spending more on each item or you should be minimizing what you spend on or what you purchase in general. I get the I get the the purchasing less, right? I get that. But then, essentially, everyone's gonna look like if you ever If wa- you ever watched *Fairly Odd Parents*, you ever watched that episode where he just wants everyone to be the same and everyone looks like a gray blob? Yes. <laughs> That's literally what everyone's gonna look like if if everyone purchases less and purchases the same shit. Because I can probably, and personally, only name about two to three brands that are actually economically friendly, or even like close to being a brand where you should focus on buying from. You know what I mean? And then they mentioned things like, oh, shop from like artisans who make it handmade. Like who the fuck is making <laughs> handmade garments in San Francisco right now? <laughs> no one. You know what I mean? So it really poses the question of what are our options? So obviously if you're listening, go thrift, right? That's something that we've been repeating over and over please go thrift. I feel like everything that I purchased in the past couple of months, aside from facing some financial troubles, uh, (laughs) thrifting most of my stuff, which is fine. You'd be surprised at the shit you would find at a local Goodwill. But also, I mean, find a place for your old stuff too. I would say, like, instead of donating it to an actual place, give it to an actual person. Hand me down. <laughs> transfer, that, 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 <laughs> transfer that shit to someone else. Let it be their own problem. They <laughs> would, if, if, if anything, they'll be the one contributing to the, to the billions and billions of tons of waste that are uh, migrating to areas of South Africa. Take that guilt your
1: plate and put it on someone else. God,
0: we're so bad. <laughs> but let's talk about these crusaders that are in charge of this, this idea of, um, what's quote unquote called the, uh, fashion revolution, right? Let me, let me read this excerpt of these, uh, crusaders that run this thing called the fashion revolution. So, um, this group fashion revolution, it was basically established as a result of this. This is like a really actually pretty terrible thing I read about on the, uh, the, through the New York times, it was called the, uh, Rana Plaza garment tragedy is essentially this giant garment factory out in Bangladesh. It had housed like 3000 people, something like that. Worst working conditions, like typical, like your, your horror story when it comes to like, um, sweatshop garment factory. It was making clothes for like Walmart, um, Benetton, like a lot of these other like mid, (laughs) like flyover state, like brands or whatever. Uh, Not too many brands that we know of, but essentially this, this, this building that had like gone wrong with all these different building codes had collapsed. Right. And over a thousand people died in this one garment factory building. And literally what had come from this is this this outrage over not only working conditions for people working in the situation, people that make our clothes, but also literally what is fast fashion doing to communities and doing to even countries in general. So, this entire group basically was established, and shit, they have this they have this crazy campaign called hashtag Who Made My Clothes, which is a uh, it essentially allows consumers to collectively question the transparency and social responsibility of supply chains, call for sustainable improvements. It also is a chance for brands to prove how sustainable they are. Now, this is basically a great example of this is the um, the rebellion versus the empire, right? Empire being the fashion... 20 fashion Nova forever 21, the H and M, the Zara, things of that nature versus these people who are advocating for, we want our clothes to essentially do more harm, do more good than actual harm. I mean, think about just like, this is this is some crazy shit. One t-shirt is requires like a few hundred tons of water to make. Ridiculous. That's crazy. But realistically, and I'm speaking from from a very, I'm speaking from the average streetwear consumer. We know a lot of us. There's a lot of us in our circle and our friend group that will buy shit just to resell. We will buy in consumption. We will buy every collection. We will buy, and and we even know people that own brands. They'll make a new collection every couple weeks. They have. They'll just purchase the blanks from this apparel wholesaler. Can we really do something about this?
1: I mean, if you like source your materials from like actual sustainable places, I don't know. <laughs>
0: I think this requires a bit of knowledge.
1: It does. It requires
0: a bit of research
1: and accessibility.
0: That's a good point. Accessibility is huge because if we don't have the means, to purchase, if we don't have the means of, of the knowledge, right? Like we're not in these boardrooms with these companies who are making eco-friendly shit. How the fuck do you expect me to, I need a t-shirt. I'm cold. You know what I mean? I need, I need to go to this job interview. I need a button up. There isn't a Whole Foods version of Old Navy that I can go to where this particular shirt is 100% vegan, 100% made from straw hats out of... Mala- I, some random shit, you know what I mean? Like, You know what shit's made out of nowadays. Like, it's, it's beyond crazy. We don't have access to that. So I guess the question is, and this is still an investigation on our part, and I hope that a lot of you can provide us comments or feedback or even anything in regards to this, where the fuck do we go for our shit? I love the transparency, but I think that's all brands can do nowadays. Noah does a great job at saying like, hey, we're part of the problem, but at least we're showing you that we're trying not to be as much but people know if you buy a 100% cotton t-shirt, you know where that's coming from. You know what work, you know what effort is made into getting that shirt onto your back, whether it's the the printing, the construction, all that shit. So it makes it really difficult for, for at least us. And I actually want to apologize for having recent episodes that we're advocating sustainability so much because obviously nobody has the answer to that shit. Nobody even knows what that is. So, it's hard for us to dictate that sustainability is the way. Obviously, the mindset is great, but if nobody's actually doing it, then does it really matter? It's all like hot air. <laughs> it's all hot air. Yeah. So, all I can say is transparency is great. Shout out to Noah. Like, that's literally one of the only brands that I know that's being transparent in what they do. I love brands that are also taking, like, literally actively searching out vintage pieces and just printing on top of that shit or reusing that shit um that's a great way you know or or, or, like or repurposing repurposing but this is a gray area here if the textiles are already made and you use it is that necessarily bad
1: but you're not making new textiles so technically it's half as bad (laughs) (laughs) i don't know
0: they're half half half-assed environmentally friendly there
1: there's like nothing that's actually environmentally friendly if you think about it or sustainable like if you think Hmm. about it like a hundred percent sustainable is not attainable for anything like for food for clothing for household items like you technically can't because you're still going to use a machine or you're going to like use manpower like ethically speaking you can't really make something that's like ethical
0: 100% 100% ethical yeah There's, there is no way because no. you got to think about every, all the processes and if you understand supply chain there are 8-9 different processes just to get it from creation to consumption and each one of those processes requires some sort of carbon footprint some type of energy some sort of energy <laughs> like i feel like we're taking l's across the board but i think the the best that we can do personally is to manage ourselves in the way that we think is ethical and so for myself i've always thrifted things i continue to thrift things that's something that i've always advocated I don't consume much from just brands in general. Um, I think, how many pieces did they say on average most people have in like a month or like a year? I think it's like 90 something pieces in a year. That's a lot. It's a lot of fucking pieces. And I'm not just talking like, and we're talking from from the basis of buying and keeping, not buying and reselling. That's a completely different thing. But if we're, if we're talking about just the buying aspect, 96 pieces is a shit ton. That's like all the pieces I have in my closet now. And this was all collected over the past seven, eight years. So I can only imagine, you know what I mean? But for anything, what I would say is, I mean, shit, it's hard to be a hundred. It's hard to be a hundred percent anything. It's impossible. Even fucking Purell is only 99.99% bacteria killing. You know what I mean? So do your best to be 99.99% ethical and do what you can to contribute to, or not to contribute, but to, uh, I guess, pull back on the consumption aspect, right? Holiday season, it's all about consumption. It's all about buying. It's all about being a, uh, what do you call that? What is... um. What is that marxism term um what do you call it when you like buy buy buy
1: consumption
0: no what no it's like what, what do you call our society it's a very
1: oh oh um
0: god damn it we're we're <laughs> sucking on the terms today capitalistic. Oh, yeah. If you're, don't be capitalistic this holiday season. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Let's, let's just focus on one or two things, man. Like you don't need that second or third black hoodie. You don't need that second or third pair of Coke white air forces. If you have it already, you have it. All right. If you, if you buy it, I know a couple of people that do this, which is actually really cool. You buy it, you give the other one away. That's awesome. Do that. And if you give it to somebody else, give it to someone that doesn't have that, not just needs another pair. Let's just try to be a little bit more ethically mind like mindful and we can make a big difference. And I'm not trying to this is no rant on being I'm like I'm like half-assing this like ethical thing right now, but it's enough for people to make it make a difference. And I don't I honestly don't care if you don't do it or not. I'm not here to be on a high horse and be like, I'm doing this, you guys should too. But I think it in general it it can contribute to something. We're and all about
1: educating. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think that's. You no, know, we're that's not the lecturing
1: piece. you guys. So just keep an open mind when you buy things this holiday season. Just be mindful. Don't waste. Don't waste your money either. You know, spend it on people who matter. Spend it on things who matter. Make more memories than buying actual things. True. Um, but again, like. Take it with a grain of salt because we are not perfect and we you know like all these things we say are great on paper and in your head but realistically we live in, we live in San Francisco so yeah. there's only so much we can do we're still pieces of shit but you know what we're all pieces of shit together <laughs> and that's why you like this podcast
0: <laughs> yeah shout out to the shitheads that listen to this podcast <laughs> we team, love you guys ha- team shitheads that's, yeah. that's our new like fan base name god damn it that sucks
1: <laughs> You know, it's okay because they know. Like, streetwear, we're not perfect. No one in this culture is. That's a fact. And we don't want to sound like we're, like, you know, like, you know, we're not freaking, we're not made of money. We're not bougie of any sort. We all still struggle the same. So, again, like, just... Don't think that we're lecturing you right now. This is just to educate. We're just talking, you know. This is just us talking, honestly. Like, me and Ryan talk about this on a daily basis. These are questions we actually have. So, we would like answers if you do have answers.
0: Yes, provide us feedback (laughs) and answers. This is a a really interesting topic that we just stumbled upon. And this is not the last time that we're going to talk about it. Because, obviously, the holiday season, I mean, is really every day damn near in in regards to how this consumption shit takes place. and we I mean I've been a little bit more mindful I know Mel hasn't so (laughs) (laughs) so I really it really just depends on you know what angle or what direction you guys want to take when you're out there shopping and shit for all your friends but for the most part buy what you like and uh hopefully think a little bit differently when you're out there buying uh, especially for yourself. And I think that's a really good place to stop because I'm starting to sound a little preachy and I fucking hate
1: it. <laughs> We're just trying to be a little bit better.
0: A little bit. A little bit a goes little a long bit. way, guys. A little bit goes a long way. And we apologize for the wait. Thank you guys for joining us on episode one oh two. We're gonna be back every week. I promise. I promise. <laughs> I promise. Wait I promise. 2020. I promise. This is this is you could hold me against it. A lot of you that have been you know, new listeners leaving us feedback, leaving us reviews, all that shit. We love it, man. We love it. it. It just shows that you guys are engaged and actually care about these topics, and give us the the right reasons to be talking about them. So, on that note, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Peace.